We are at 8.09 on this Saturday morning. Low 20s expected today. 24 for the high, so much more seasonable for this time of year. On AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. I am WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined in studio now by Merle Kelch, which can only mean one thing. After a week of some extremely disappointing financial news, uh, some really weird things going on, some typical things going on in Washington with things not getting done, we are here to tell everybody to calm down because things are going to be okay, right? We suggest bourbon. Oh, yeah, is that what we're helps. suggesting today? Yeah, okay. so bourbon's good. And by the way, this is the clothing optional show, folks. We are drinking bourbon here in the studio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll go for it. We'll go for it. Uh, but, man, where, where do we start this week? We have tens of thousands of jobs lost in the tech sector. Yeah. We have the U.S. bumping up against the debt ceiling, which, uh, depending on who you talk to, could cause financial chaos uh, globally, worldwide. Yeah. And we have uh, Bitcoin going up by something like uh, 20% yesterday as well. So suddenly Bitcoin is uh, a good investment again. Uh, no, just crazy people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where do we start this week, I guess? Well, you know, let's go on a couple things. If we take a look at what's happening from an unemployment sector from our tech friends. So, so many of these tech, if you look at the percentage of people that they're um, laying off compared to the overall number of employees that they have, it's really, really small. So it's really not that big of a thing. Uh, to a certain degree, some like almost is always saying, look, we're popular. We're going to lay some people off, too. Look, we're good. You know, the tech sector for a long time, it just keeps pouring money into jobs and pouring money into stuff and not looking at the bottom line because they think it's going to come. And all of a sudden, people look around, Facebook being one of the first of them, and said, what? We have to balance our books? We have to make sure the amount we're taking in is, is more than what we're spending? And so all that sort of stuff started happening. But remember, the tech sector ballooned up quite a bit during the pandemic. Because we're all staying at home. And so things such as, um, you know, looking online, shopping online, searching online, all that stuff went up. And so the advertising went up. Everything went up online because we stayed at home largely. So with it, this, in my opinion, is just nothing more than a leveling out from the great expansion in the tech sector that had happened. So this next week we have, for example, Microsoft is coming out with its profits and uh, um, uh, forecasts and that kind of stuff this weekend. So. Um, so we'll see what happens with that, but I think it's a good thing simply because these companies have to make sure they're coming back to profit. They have shareholders. Uh, they have to make sure things are going in the right direction. And everybody's kind of preparing for the unknown, which could or could not be, depending upon you look at, um, a recession that may come uh, at some particular point in time in this year. Um, the, the forecasts keep pointing towards more and more that maybe we don't. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm actually looking forward to it um, uh, just to see. Yeah, just to, guess, see, just to see what, what ends up happening. And I guess if there is any sort of, you know, silver lining or things like that in this, it's that there are jobs to be had out there. So the chances are, I, I, you know, I, I yeah, yeah. tried to count yesterday, but I ran out of fingers and toes. I believe it was somewhere in the area of about 30,000 jobs that got cut between Microsoft, uh, Alphabet, which owns Google, and then uh, Amazon as well. Those people shouldn't be unemployed very long. You know, looking here yeah, in Marathon yeah. County, we have more jobs available than people that are looking for work. And, and that's nationwide. I'm, I think the number is, and in, in, boy, if somebody knows the exact number, correct me, but I think I'm right. There's some 4 million jobs that are out there that are not being fulfilled because there's not enough bodies. So when you have a, a firm laying off 10,000, odds are they're going to be just fine. Um, they're just not going to be working at that firm. 
So, so with it, like anything, um, they're going to, you know, hopefully land on their feet, but the, the expansion that we've had in the economy from the tech sector has just been tremendous. And so they're simply trimming some of that stuff off. I don't see it as being a problem, but like you said, you know, to have a recession, I've said it for the last two months, folks, you know, to have a recession, you need to have, you know, layoffs and unemployment go up and we're just not seeing it. Um, it's just not here. And, and I'm saying, thinking maybe it's not here yet. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens as we come along. Uh, this earnings season will be good on, uh, uh, inflation, by the way, uh, first time we've seen month on month core inflation, uh, drop in two and a half years. Um, so that just happened this past week. Uh, one of the reasons, of course, we saw, you know, some green shoots in the marketplace on Friday, uh, because of the, some of that data popping up. Yeah. And it was another volatile week in the markets as well. Just, uh, I believe, I believe he had a couple down days. He had a couple up days. I mean, and, and, and that's just typical. Yeah, which, of yeah. course, uh, as I've said before, uh, Merle, in your business, it's almost your job to say, like, you know, the day that the market does crash by five or six hundred points or loses a certain percentage of its value to say, wait a minute, let's not push the panic button here. Let's let's go for the bourbon. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I made a joke a long time ago to, uh, you know, to clients and and, uh, you know, we we're having a, a meeting of a bunch of clients and. I said to him, I said, I know you guys are afraid to call me when the stock market goes down. And they all started laughing and giggling. And so the joke was when the market went down and they'd call Merle, Merle would say, how much cash you got? Because you know, we go through, we start buying back in. So the joke was, well, when the market goes down, let's not call Merle, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, But, you know, the, the, the benefit of going through and buying stuff on sale over the course of the last several months is, is, is starting to, you know, peak itself through. Um, I'm speaking personally for me. There's some things that went down. I said, you know, this is something I won't own for a long time, and I bought more of it. Uh, just three weeks ago, I bought some more of it again, and uh, I'm, I'm becoming to be a, a pretty happy guy with the stuff that I bought. Um, uh, because, you know, when it's down 20% and you still you bought that stock for five years from now, it's just down 20%. Um, so we took advantage of some of that stuff for ourselves and not only that, but uh, for other clients as well, and it, it's, it's going to turn out to be good. Um, as we uh, see things continue to improve. I shouldn't say continue when we see things improve uh, in the uh, the economy. Again, as always, this show contains forward-looking statements which may not come true, so we uh, yeah, overemphasize well that there. <laughs> 715-845-2155 is the number to call. As always, our, uh, our little banter back and forth is just the filler for your phone calls because if you've got a question for Merle, we'd certainly be happy to take that on the air. Merle, one other thing that I, I looked at this week again, again, in my job as, as news director to peel back the curtain a little bit here, I do a lot of reading. And uh, now that I'm in this role, regularly chatting with you on Saturday mornings, when I see something, I say, okay, let's file that away because maybe we can talk about it uh, later this week when, uh, when we, we pop in for these little chats, talking about interest rates. Uh, there was, I believe it was somebody from the, uh, the federal reserve bank in Atlanta, that said that uh, we may need to see interest rates up at above 5% yeah. before we start to see uh, some real results. Well, we are seeing real results, but before we start to level things off uh, in the economy, interest rates at above 5%, what would that mean uh, for, I guess, the everyday people or for your clients even if we do end up getting that get to that point yeah, here yeah. over the next year? The, the thing that's interesting to note on this is that, um, you know, folks, we – we, we finally have contraction of the economy above 4%. So, so what does that mean? So I got to take a step back so it makes sense here a little bit. But think about it this way, folks. When the Federal Reserve wants to stimulate the economy, they put some more cash into the marketplace. 
And how they do that is they lower interest rates because when they lower the interest rates, it makes it so that I'm willing to spend more and it puts more cash out in the economy. Um, and so then I'll buy my widget machine and then somebody has to build the widget machine. It creates what's called an economic multiplier effect. It just starts growing. So when the Federal Reserve wants to contract or shrink the economy, thereby getting re you know, reducing inflation, slowing the economy up, they increase interest rates because now our cost of that costs more. And uh, so we may not be as likely to buy a widget machine or maybe we buy one versus two. So, so in that, there's, a, there's an equal equilibrium, if you will. So and it's generally considered to be a 4%. So less than 4%, the economy is, of course, stimulated to continue to expand. Above 4% is going to be contractionary. And so with it, the Federal Reserve said early on when they first started this uh, you know, a year or so ago that they want to hit about the 5% mark because it's contracting, um, but at a small amount. So 1% contraction is really not that big. And that should do it. And so to get there, they're about a half a percent to three quarters of a percent away from doing just that. So that's where many people believe that the Federal Reserve is going to increase, of course, in February and probably in March. The general consensus right now is a quarter of a point in each. That should bring us to right about that 5% mark. Now, uh, that being said, I happen to think I'd, I'd, I'd wish for them just simply to do half a percent and say, okay, we're going to be done now for a while. Let's see what happens. So we just saw uh, J.P. Morgan just came out with an article, uh, one of its, and I'm trying to pop the name up here, and I, I'm missing it. Um, but they came out and said, well, we think the Federal Reserve is is uh, is done. We think that they don't need to increase interest rates anymore. And that's kind of what everybody wants to have happen right now. Everybody wants them to stop because now we can settle in and take a look at things and say, how do we adjust from here? How do we move forward from here? But I think they're going to continue to keep targeting that 5% mark, as you, as you read, because, again, it's a small amount of being contractionary. You know, this 0% interest rate we had is is really, especially for as long as we have, is unfathomed. It, it's it's never happened before. Um, it's interesting. I was talking with some uh, uh, some young people. Yes, I've come to the age that 35 is now a young person. Um, but they're saying, well, we're not going to buy a house now until interest rates, rates get back down to 2%. I'm like, good luck. It's never going to happen. Why? Because it's never happened before. Um, you know, the, the normal interest rate is typically about 4% is the average for like a mortgage and that type of stuff, that's even factoring when we go through the 80s and the late 70s and early 80s. So 4% is the norm. So right now when you're looking at a mortgage and saying, well, geez, it's like 5%, 6%, guess what? That's pretty good. My first mortgage was 13%. You know, so mm -hmm. so it's at, actually at a norm now. It's been abnormal for the course of the last five, six years. And a lot of that from stimulating economy, of course, and dropping the interest rates after uh, the pandemic happened and so forth. Um, so we're actually probably... Um, uh, at a norm for mortgage rates and houses. So my suggestion would be is, is, is buy one uh, because it's not going to do anything different and the prices are coming down. Yeah, indeed. He's Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll be right back, though, with more after this. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. It is 824 on this Saturday morning on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Merle Kelch is always in studio with us for uh, Making Financial Sense. 
And uh, Merle, we've already talked about uh, what I read this week or some of the things that I read this week. What did you read this Nothing. week? Oh, not, not okay. a thing. Just, you, uh, you didn't read the we new... We just sat around and that's not true. <laughs> you didn't read the new uh the new um uh Harry uh uh the uh I I the name of the book is escaping me now. Oh, yeah, so. Harry and uh oh, the Prince Harry whatever. Yeah, Prince Harry's book uh Yeah, I escaped it so I still have my sanity. You know, oh, okay. how much can a person whine to try to keep getting money? I mean, just <laughs> I look at this stuff and my lord, it's just something else. You know, uh you know uh yeah, pr- hey, I mean, but you know, if if he came to you and said, "Hey, I've got all this money from this book deal," would you would you turn it? Would no, you turn? No, because that'd end account? up in a book. <laughs> no way, no, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, what's interesting, folks, when you're in this business, you first start out, you will just you know clamor and do whatever piece of business you possibly can because you're you're trying to get going, you're trying to get traction in this business. Well, after doing it for thirty some years now, I, you know I'm okay. So every once in a while, you got to say no or. You have to get rid of a client because they're not listening right or something like that. But, you know, you, sometimes you just have to say, you know, I've had enough and mm-hmm. wouldn't let it go. And that would be one of those, regardless of how lucrative it may be, I'll end up in a book. <laughs> <laughs> or, no yeah, or a that. Taylor Swift song as it was back in the day at one point. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah, no doubt about it. It still amazes me that she's an artist. I mean, uh, popular. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, so earning season is coming out. So there's an article by uh, Mark Hulbert. And I like Mark Hulbert. He always has some um, pretty good stuff in there in, in his opinion pieces. But. There's some things that we got to watch out for, folks, and, and and that is we take a look at profit margins. You know, we have been and still are, <clears throat> pardon me, um, at a pretty good profit margin. So right now the P.E. ratio of the S&P 500 is about 12. And so what, what P.E. ratio simply means you take the price of the stock and you divide it by the earnings. So what's interesting is some companies, uh, it says nil, N-I-L, and now guess what that means? They don't have any earnings. So that's always a bad sign you don't buy those companies. And there's still a whole bunch of them that are out there. But since 1993 to now, uh, we've been around the 10% mark on average. Obviously, during uh, uh, 20 in the uh, of the pandemic, we dropped way off. But we bounced back up again afterwards. And some people are saying, well, geez, we were like 13 near 14% for a P.E. ratio on the S&P 500. Uh, coming now just recently down and then uh, coming back up to about 5. So what does all this mean? And, you know, and for my opinion versus any other opinion, and guess what? They're all just opinions. But what's interesting to me is that, um, we can see that as we turn the economy back on and we can almost mirror it right over top of what happened with the business and starting back up in commerce and, and uh, GDP, <clears throat> we can mirror it right over top of the GDP running up. We can see it with the rec- inflation coming up and it coming back again. It appears that when we look at all the um, uh, statistics in here is that when we came back, we sold a lot of stuff. That's consistent with what we've been seeing with the tech sector. We sold a lot of stuff. People bought a lot of stuff. They couldn't get it. Inflation prices went up. We see that inside of the S&P 500. So it came back. It came to 12. Well, what's interesting is 12, though, is still about 20% higher than it has been um, going back for a long, long time. And so we look at this and say, how can corporate America maintain this type of profit margin with the earnings season if we have a recessionary period of time coming up? And so he goes inside of the math and says, well, unless it has the ability to hold up that profit, because, of course, the stock market is based upon the profit of an individual stock and then the stock market itself. Um, so he has a pretty good argument in saying here the stock market may not be able to continue to grow as it has in a number of years unless something happens with a profit margin inside of the companies. Now, I tend to be a supply sider from an economic standpoint and saying, you know, at some point in time, somebody builds a widget that everybody wants or changes the dynamic of our economy or marketplace, whatever the case may be. You know, I'm looking here at my cell phone 
which cell phones, of course, you had had the buttons, and now we look at it, and now, for God's sakes, you talk to the phone. Exactly. You know, so all this stuff is changing as we speak. So with that, you know, I look in the uh, the, the the power of the American uh, of American ingenuity um, and supply side economics. I think we have new stuff that comes that creates another product or a service or something that we all might need, want um, inside of our house to make our lives better. So we'll see. But an interesting article, uh, nonetheless. So we'll have to see what happens over the years from that profit market. Exactly. So profits I mean, drop, which I suspect this year, mm-hmm. uh, we could see the stock market be flat or potentially drop off if there's a recession. So we'll uh, see how it goes. By the way, I, I just got a message from uh, from your wife. She said she she wants you to start the vacuum with your phone. <laughs> uh, it's possible. It, it really <laughs> it, is. It really yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who would have who would have thought? If yeah. I if I want to uh, really mess with my cat right now at home, who's probably wrapped up in the comforter uh, sleeping right now, yeah. I could start the vacuum from my phone as sure. well, and boom, there we go. You know, one of the, this whole technology, and this is part of the, the internet of everything. If you haven't heard it, it's, it's popped around quite a bit, is that mm-hmm. eventually everything's going to be hooked in the internet. We can do almost anything Refrigerators, with sitting here. Yeah, everything. But, you know, one of the, the finest things that I have, and it sounds so simplistic, is being able to operate my security system and my home furnace from my phone. It is so handy to be able to do that. You know, I can mm-hmm. leave and, oh, I forgot to turn on a furnace and I turn it down when I'm sitting in another state. Yeah. Um, or I can turn a security system on or somebody comes by and I can shut it off or see who walks in. That stuff is pretty neat. I like that stuff. I don't really think I need my cell phone to turn on my washer or dryer, though, <laughs> which is actually there. So Indeed. And there was actually video that came out of Japan this week of a robot basically picking up you know, pieces of lumber and trying to build a house in a controlled setting. This robot is walking around, walking around obstacles, ro- walking on top of obstacles and placing things, building, yeah. building something. That's a little scary, but that's also another discussion. Terminator's coming. It's Indeed. Coming. Um, that's another discussion for another time, though. It is. He is John Connor. I mean, he is uh, Merle Kelch, and we are making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll take a look at your news headlines next. That is uh, the disclaimer, which means we're back here on uh, Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. As always, the phone lines are open. We do have a couple of open lines right now if you want to get in, 715-845-2155, and uh, chat with Merle about something that's on your mind. But Merle, right now, what we want to ask you about is uh, what's been on your your client's mind this week? We've already talked about uh, some of the uncertainty, some of the bad news that came out in the market. So I'm sure, th- you know, there things like that prompt as we talked about earlier, phone calls and uh, and questions to your office. Yeah, you know, one of the big things we keep getting this week is, and, and probably half a dozen times this week is, can I still retire? Uh, well, you know, my answer is, well, of course you can. We just have to discuss how much income you need, but I mean, you can still retire. And what most people find is that the amount of income that they're going to receive, even though the markets were down this week. Um, we did, by the way, have some fun this week, folks, because for our reviews this week, uh, for the first two weeks of the of, of the month, you know, many people were up and had positives. I'm like, look, it's positive. So we had some fun with that just because we haven't seen that in a year. Um, but in it, you know, I, I kind of have the Merle's rule of thumb that I look at. And and so when I look at the, the retirement dollars of answering the question, can you retire, as you say, well, you know, how much do I need to make? Do I need to spend a month? And so, so with it, I like to say, well, if you know how much you need to spend a month, you take the amount that you're going to have as far as investments go for retirement. You take that dollar amount and take 5% of that dollar value. 
and divide it by 12, which gives you a monthly dollar, and you add Social Security if you're that age. You add that to it, and does that cover the amount of expenses for the month and, and what you need to stay alive on a retire? And if the answer is yes, you still get to retire even though the markets are down. So the markets will certainly come back up again regardless, but, uh, but if you're in that neighborhood, the answer is yes, you still get to retire. And so many people think that just because the markets were down last year, oh, I can't retire at all anymore. I have to keep working. You just have to do the math, and so we still have to look at it. So easily a half a dozen times this weekend we had that, or this past week we had that question. Now some people are going to retire at various times throughout the course of the year. Um, some of us said we're going to retire after summer, and that person, I said, well, why after summer? Don't many people want to retire before summer so you can enjoy the summer? Oh, well, of course. You know, so, so he's like, huh, I didn't think of that. So <laughs> he might be retiring earlier. And, of course, part of that as well is uh, Social Security, and uh, you have to have be able to have the numbers there because whether you, mm-hmm. t- you start taking it out at 65, the bonus at 67, maybe you start taking it out at 68, you've got to be able to, to make yeah. uh, that math work as Absolutely. well along with your investments. So we have uh, one of our clients, and, and, again, preparation for retirement, one of them then asked this question. Um, uh, she said, well, she said, I just want to retire from my job. She said, but I still want to do something. So do I collect social security? I said, well, what are you going to do afterwards? And she said, well, I don't know. I said, well, how much do you plan on earning? She goes, oh, maybe like 30,000. I said, well, then, you know, probably don't collect social security because about $17,000 up, um, you lose $1 for every $2 that you earn on earnings. So I said, just get a different job then stop working what you're doing now and get something less stressful. And I think that's what they might do because she said, I don't know if I'm really ready to retire, but she's had enough of where she's working. So we see quite a bit of that. And um, we'll see people who will retire from their job because they can't stand it. and They'll do something different along the way. Um, you know, I can get it. I mean, you, you work at something. If it's stressful enough, you want to do something that's a little more relaxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, to kind of go off into the sunset before you uh, before you go completely off and uh, just do your own thing every day. Which, yeah. again, this retirement thing is great. I, I At least that's what everybody tells me. I don't know when I'll get there, but yeah. uh, maybe a few more of these conversations during uh, the next uh, year or so, and maybe I will get there. We'll see how much I'm able to absorb from uh, from Merle here. There you go. 715-845-2155, again, is the number to call. As always, our chatting is just a filler for your phone call. So if you do have a question, don't be afraid to, uh, to give us a ring here, and we will certainly get you on the air with Merle. As uh, you know, we've been talking about uh, just exactly what it is your clients have been asking you this week. You said you've gotten a lot of questions uh, about retirement mm-hmm. and and things like that, but I'm sure you're getting uh, a couple others as well as we go to the phone lines here. And maybe you're going to get one right now. Seven one five eight four five two one five five. Good morning. You're on with Merle Kelch. Hello, this is Linda. Morning, Linda. Um, how are you? Good. How are you? Fantastic. So. I'm just wondering about um, the the debt limit and uh, the comments from Janet Yellen that with extraordinary measures, maybe they would stop um, Social Security payments, at least temporarily. Can you comment about that? Um, I I doubt that's going to happen. Linda, we hear hear that all the time from uh, government, and it always seems to be the opposing party. Uh, We hear it consistently. I'm, I'm going in on three different directions, so bear with me. I'll stop on one. Um, will they stop the Social Security payments? No. There's going to be no politicians that are going to vote for that to be the case because it'll be just political suicide if they do so. Um, Janet Yellen, of course, is um, uh, very much on the, the uh, Democratic side of things where they don't want to change the debt limits, and so they're going to say whatever they want to say. 
both sides of the political party, for example, during uh, an election season will say that other person wants to get rid of your Social Security. It's always the, the scare tactic for everybody that's out there. And rightfully so. It's a scare tactic for everybody on Social Security uh, because they, they can't afford to have that fall away for most people. So um, I would be most amazingly surprised if they stop paying Social Security. That's never happened, and I doubt that it will. It will be political suicide, and we all know that our politicians in Washington want to stay there for their whole lives. Uh, okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. And you brought up a really good point right there about, uh, you know, this being political uh, suicide and things like that for politicians, because that is something that we heard quite a bit over the last uh, year in Wisconsin's election. And we've also, of course, heard it before that Social Security is just going to eventually run out as well. And that seems to be something that comes from the opposite party as well. Yeah, which, whichever the opposing party is. And, and it, it drives me crazy when you hear that. Um, you know, Social Security is, is in some financial issues. It truly is. Um, that's the reason that we saw it go from 60, you know, 65 to 67 and start drawing for full retirement. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see it go from 67 to 70 for full retirement coming up. You know, we have to remember back in 1943 when the first Social Security check went out, by the way, with Ida Mae Fuller, just in case you wanted to know who that was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was some 40-some uh, dollars a month, um, and it was meant to be a supplement at that point in time. It wasn't meant to be a retirement. It's only supposed to be a supplement. Um, and over the course of the years, it, it's become more and more acceptable retirement, especially as you go out from an urban area. So as you get into more and more suburban and rural places, that's people's retirement generally. Um, and so we look at this. Um, Social Security has been, you know, Al Gore used to call it the Social Security Trust Fund, and folks, it's it's – there's no fund. It's just trust. Um, <laughs> but the amount of money we're collecting still as of today is more than what we're paying out. But that's what's going to change. And so the projection always course, differs between whether it's going to be 2030 or there's going to be 2028 or 2032. Mm-hmm. But eventually there's going to be less money coming in than it's getting paid out. Um, and it's just it's a, a, a time bomb. So something's got to get done. Actuarially, we can't continue to keep paying out as it is. So something has to be fixed on either how the CPA or CPI um, or how it's uh, projected and moving forward as far as increases go, um, or it has to have a reduction of payment or the age has got to change. Mathematically, something has to be done, and there's not a lot of people that are out there in, in Washington that are politicians uh, that are willing to say, we got to fix something uh, because, of course, it's political suicide. <laughs> as soon as you do it, you're going to lose that whole vote um, of the people that are collecting Social Security as nobody wants to lose a dollar. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good afternoon, or good morning, I should say. You're on with Merle Kelch. Hi, this is Brian. Good I morning, agree with Brian. you, Merle. None of them uh, politicians are going to ever get rid of Social Security. That's They're out of, the, <laughs> out of office if they are. My question is uh, uh, just regular savings accounts. They sit at like whatever, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7%. I'm wondering when that's going to start coming up from the rise in interest rates. Now, Brian, what's interesting is they already have. I mean, we're starting to see uh, CD rates at 5% now. Yeah. Um, uh, and savings accounts are going to follow, too. If they're not already rising, and I'm, I'm fairly certain they are, I haven't seen uh-huh. any numbers on pure savings accounts, so let me make sure I say that. Uh, but usually when you see CD rates, money market accounts going up, um, uh, it, you're going to see the savings accounts come, too. So the interesting thing about this, though, Brian, is, is I actually received a text from my wife. 
And uh, she got an advertisement from a local advisor here inside of town. And uh, she said, do you do these? I said, yeah. She goes, well, how come you didn't tell me about it? I was like, oh, for God's sake. (laughs) I said, well, how much money you got? Well, she says, well, enough to buy my car. So, well, then don't worry about it. Go buy your car. So, um, so the interest rates are going up in, in our industry, um, advisors and brokers used to offer CDs long time ago, but when interest rates went down to, you know, 0.6 and, and that kind of stuff, there wasn't enough margin to make it worthwhile. But now even sort of that's coming back. We're starting to find in our industry saying, well, you know, we can offer a broker or a jumbo, which is a hundred thousand dollars CD for this interest rate, um, for this period of time. And it's, you know, going pretty good. Now, the sad part about it is when you have inflation at six and 7%, and you're earning four or five, you're still going backwards, especially if you put taxes into it. Right. But at least it's a lot better than what it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll watch Good for luck. that. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. Uh, again, thanks for the call. 715-845-2155 is always uh, the number to call. You, you you brought up something there that uh, you know kind of formulated a, a question in my mind. So I'm going to okay. ask you quick here before we take our, our, next, uh, our, our next break. So you mentioned, okay, we can put in $100,000 into a CD like this at, you know, certain percentage rate of return. Is somebody better off, you know, say they've got maybe three, dollars $400,000 in a retirement account, giving you $100,000 of that mm-hmm. for that period of time to grow the money as opposed to keeping it in the market? What would be your recommendation there? First of all, let me take a step back and help answer that. Sure. Um, for me to answer that question, I have to make some assumptions because I don't know who your fictitious person is. Of course. Um, you'll have some people that say, don't want to have risk in a marketplace at all. Um, and so they said, I don't want to have anything in the stock market. Well, then you have to look around for alternative investments where they can get some sort of an interest rate or a yield, at least have some sort of growth along the way. Um, so, so let me uh, take one step back from that. Um, we had a client seven, eight years ago, um, retired. Didn't want anything to do with the stock market, so we put him in some investments that had no stock relationship to it. His wife, on the other hand, says, well, I don't care about him. I want to invest, and, of course, she's making a ton of money. He's not making He says, well, I want to put some money in the stock market. I said, well, what if it goes down? Well, I'm not going to like it. I said, that's the reason you don't go in the stock market, because you don't like it. So this past year, he looks like a genius to his wife <laughs> um, because his accounts didn't go down. But uh, then I went through, and I said, well, okay, here's where she started. Here's where you started. Here's where she went up to and she came back. She's still ahead. So it's like, uh, but he just looked like a genius for last year. He was all right. Sure. But he, he can't stand, handle the, the volatility of the marketplace. And so, so on that, then you look at it and say, well, am I better off just putting my money inside of a, a CD or money market account? Cause I can earn four or 5%. Uh, but again, you have to look at the, what's the, the total return mm-hmm. um, of your rate of return or the real rate of return, which is the interest rate, less taxes, less inflation. And right now, because the inflation is so high, you're still going backwards, even though you're getting 5%, for example, in a CD. So to have long-term pure growth in a portfolio, now we really have to beat that, you know, 7, 8%, 9% mark is what we have to beat. And you're not going to beat that inside of CDs. They're not designed to do that. You know, CDs are riskless investments. They're backed by the FDIC. And as a result, there's a cost to having it be riskless. <clears throat> and that is, is you're not going to stay ahead of inflation and taxes. Sometimes, maybe, but it's pretty rare that I've ever seen it happen. Um, but CDs are a place, in my opinion, for money you intend on spending coming up or for you have it for an emergency buffer in your house. So if you look at it and say, well, in a year and a half from now, I'm going to buy this widget. 
and uh, I know that I'm going to need to have it. I can earn a little bit of money inside of the interest rates. That makes sense because if you put it in the marketplace, it might go down 10% during that period of time. You're like, oh, you know, darn it, you know, whatever the term might be. And uh, so as a result, the CD works as a perfect placement for those types of dollars. And so many people look at it as a CD um, being an investment. And it's really not because it's a place to put money to earn interest. If we go back to the early 80s, you could get CDs that were 12% interest. And you look at it and say, well, geez, you know, my $100,000 made $1,000 a month. I'm happy as a lark. Well, if we look at it, you know, a year ago, uh, your $100,000 would still be worth 100000 bucks. But now your interest rate would be on uh, you know six hundred for the year because the interest <laughs> rates are so low. Indeed. Well, that that's not. I mean, your money's stable, it's secure, uh, but your interest and your income sure as heck fell off. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense here on AM five fifty FM ninety nine nine WSAU. Uh, we'll squeeze in one more caller here uh, before we hit our last break for the show. So we'll pick up the phone line there, push that button, and good morning, caller. You're on with Merle Kelch. Good morning. This is Jeff. Morning, Jeff. Um, my question is, I am 61 years old, and I will be uh, turning 62 later on this summer. And I'm, I didn't hear the beginning of your program, but uh, when it comes to Social Security, mm-hmm. if I were to decide to collect Social Security, how much money can a person earn while collecting Social Security? It's right about 17000 bucks from earnings, Okay. Okay. Now, um, the reason I say that is some people confuse earned income versus unearned income. So earned income is when you're exchanging your time for money. So you're going out to uh, the company and you're you know, doing something to, to exchange your time for an hourly wage, for example. Um, so that's about 17000 Now, the reason I don't have the exact dollar models that just got indexed, it used to be 16800 for years, now it just got indexed, but call it about 17000 but money you take out of your retirement plan is unearned income. Still tax the same, uh, but it's called unearned income, and it doesn't count towards um, Social Security. Again, um, it's right about the $35,000 mark. Is, I'm sorry, $17,000 mark. 35000 is the next number. Um, okay, then. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, another question I have with that is that I do have a, I do have a, an IRA and everything like that. But I also have a lot of uh, rental income coming in. Mm-hmm. Is that classified as earned income? No, unearned still. Okay, so will that affect me if I were to decide to uh, uh, take take uh, Social Security at 62? Nope, it won't. It won't? It's unearned income. Okay. It still counts for taxes. Of course, you still have to pay income on it. Um, but I know yeah. that being a rental owner, um, you claim every dollar you don't use any depreciation or all right i'm being a smart ass here sorry about that <laughs> uh jeff you should be okay. good um just make sure to keep that earned income down below seventeen thousand, and you should not have any reduction of social security based upon income okay well thank you very much i appreciate it you're welcome jeff all right we will take a quick time out when we come back we'll wrap things up for the week with merle kelch here on am 550 fm 99.9 wsau Wrapping things up here on another week of Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on AM550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, well, I've made it three weeks now. Well, I shouldn't say quite. We've got uh, just under f- uh, just about five minutes to go here. I haven't quite made it to three weeks yet in a <laughs> row of uh, uh, taking over for, for Tom King here. 
Uh, but I haven't been fired yet, so we're we're gonna roll with it. That's a, that's a good sign. You're it, doing well. Yes, it's a very good sign. Uh, but it's gonna be a, a a busy time for you coming up here. I guess I kind of asked you uh, last week about what your busy times are, and tax season is is indeed one of those. And we are starting to get the important dates now from the IRS that you need to know. Uh, besides right, yeah. January 31st, which is the date in which you legally have to have all those tax documents in your hand. Otherwise, your employer may get in trouble. Well, kind of. Those are the right dates. Anyway, um, so this is an article by Andrew Kishner, which um, he has just listed as reporter um, because this is all the dates we know, but he did a nice job collecting them for us uh, within this article. So a couple things. Um, you know, you talk about this. Your employer has to send out by January 30th all your W-2s. Uh, makes sense, but we always have people say, well, where's my investment stuff? Uh, hold on. That goes into February. And that's for preliminary. If they had to make adjustments, it goes into March. We have uh, two or three clients every year about this time, second week of January. It's like, I already scheduled an appointment for my accountant. I said, remember, we went through this the last five years. <laughs> Good luck. It was not going to happen. Reschedule it sometime in the beginning of March. Um, not because we want to do anything different, but that's what ends up happening with um, with the investment statements is they send them out and say, we think we got it right. Oh, we forgot one, so they have to resend it, a revised one. So um, if, if you have an investment account, that type of stuff, don't even try it for you know beginning of February. Wait latter February, beginning of March. And so that's the, the nature of the beast on there. It used to be that they had this had the stuff out by the 30th, but during the Obama administration, he said, well, we'll give you a couple more weeks because the stuff's complicated from the investment side of the world. Sure. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't matter, but it's the fact that the reality is that stuff doesn't come on the 30th. It's your employer that does. So on January 23rd, the IRS is going to start accepting and processing rates uh, returns uh, for everybody, the IRS free filing program starts on January 13th for those that are making 73000 or less. So if you make less than $73,000, you can actually go online starting January 13th and do it on your own um, uh, through the IRS directly. So that should be good. So January 31st of what we talked about, the W-2s, um, of course, coming out in uh, various other forms with um, uh, 1099 DIVs and that whole bit by the end of January is supposed to be coming out. Mid-February up to even March 1st. Um, other things such as uh, 1099Ks, DAVs have the ability which to come out, um, as well as uh, other types of things. So um, it's going to take a while for a lot of those investment things to come. Expect that that is indeed going to be the case. Now, by the way, um, you're already past time if you had to get your last um, quarterly estimate in. Um, so you already have the penalty coming, which um, lovely now, uh, the penalty has, has gone up tremendously because the interest rates have gone up. So <laughs> if you missed that quarterly estimate, um, well, good luck. You just gave mm-hmm. away a vacation. Um, so in here, this year, it's going to be April 18th uh, because of the weekend. This is your last day for filing. You have the ability to get that done on those days. Um, you can also file for an extension, which will take you out into October. In fact, it'll be October 16th this year, which will be your deadline to be able to get things to file. Now, I have to tell people this because some people say, well, geez, I didn't do my taxes, so I just filed an extension. So my next question is, did you owe any money? Well, yeah, I'll owe money, but it'll take me out until October. Oh, no, no, it doesn't work that way. So on <laughs> October, April 18th, if you did not get your taxes done, you still have to pay what you think you owe, and they'll adjust and, of course, give you whatever penalty you need by the time October comes. So there's no way around it. They got you. They got you. So They got you. It's, uh, it's going to be brutal. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, they, it's that time of year again. You know, mm-hmm. for every accountant that you know, they are going to go into hiding for the next few weeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll lose them all for about the next four months. Then they emerge with hairy faces. Um, and that's just the ladies. 
uh, the guys <laughs> come out with. Sorry. Indeed. Bad joke. Indeed. Well, Merle, we appreciate the time. As always, um, how can they get a hold of you in the at the office here in Wausau? Folks, you can stop in and visit us. Third Avenue and Bridge Street, stop by and kick the tires, have a cup of coffee. Um, Kim makes a mean coffee. It gets me jittery every time. So uh, say hello and hi. Give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wausau area, 866-355-5100, or find us online at kelchensociates.com. We'll be back next week here on WSAU.